0: So we are finishing today our Always in Pursuit series. Today we're talking about being Big K Kingdom people, and you might be like, I don't even know what Big K Kingdom means. So let me give you a quick story just to kind of help you understand what Big K Kingdom is. Uh, about five years ago, when we were, uh, when this church did not yet exist, I was still trying to figure out where we were going to plant this church that I knew God was calling me to plant and what it was going to look like and. I had these ideas in my head. They were kind of swirling around, and I was praying through it, and I would often uh, get in the car and just drive, just drive around and pray, and, um, you know, I would start in just on one side of the northern suburbs and drive all the way across and just sort of take every little road that I didn't know existed and try to wind around and pray and ask God to show me stuff, and um, I was doing this for a couple weeks, and Finally, I think it was uh, Chris Thompson over over here, right there, Chris. Hey. He said, hey, have you ever been to the Mouthsview Community Center? And I was like, I did not know that existed. I don't know anything about that place. So I stopped in and I walked in. And as soon as I walked in, I knew there was like a chance that this could be a great location for a church. And um, before I had walked into this building, I had plotted out where every church was in the northern section of the Twin Cities. Because I, I just felt like that was where God was calling me to To plant, and I knew there was no church that met here. Otherwise, I would have known about it, and I would have plotted it out, and I would have known it was on the, on the map. So I walked in, and I I had this conversation with God because we had I had been looking at different buildings and looking at different options, and nothing really seemed like it could be a great location for a church. And I knew none of the schools in the Moundsview district were available to us uh, because the Moundsview district had a rule against churches using their schools. And so I kind of had this conversation with God when I walked into this building. And I said, God, if it's not here, if this isn't the location, I'm going to move on. And in my mind, I had that I was going to plant a church out closer to Stillwater, somewhere between here and Stillwater. That was kind of the the thought process I had in my mind, somewhere in Matamidi, or somewhere in North St. Paul, or somewhere in Maplewood, somewhere in that direction, just maybe even further out. Um, And so I walked in, and I was praying about it, and I walked back here, I just kind of walked in. I didn't ask for permission. Nobody said it was fine. I just kind of turned the corner, walked into here, and I was like, wow, I could see a church. I could see it. I know it's hard because some people would walk into this building in this room. They've been in here for other stuff like winter dances or weddings or whatever, and they had this idea of what this, this room could be. But when I walked in here, I saw a church, and I, I prayed in that moment. Okay, God, I'm like this is a really good possible location for what you're calling for us. And I walked up to the, the desk And I said, hey, you know, I want to talk to you about maybe potentially a church being in this building. And um, I know you guys don't have anything here right now, um, but I'd like to talk with you about Sunday mornings, you know, if it was possible that we could rent this facility and, you know, put a church here. And they said, oh, we have a church that meets here already. And I was like, no, you don't. The person behind the counter then informed me that, um, and I'll just, I'm going to go ahead and use their name because this is a good story about them, but that Bethlehem Baptist Church, which is now North Church, which is about a mile away up the street, uh, was already meeting here on Sunday mornings. And I thought, they are not meeting here on Sunday mornings. There's about 2,000 people meeting in a warehouse down the street from here. I know they're not in this building, and I couldn't quite figure out what was going on. So I inquired about it, and it turns out they had a Sunday school class that was coming down the street and meeting here on Sunday mornings right at the time that we would want to use the facility And it was maybe like 30 people, right? Which at the time, our church wasn't even 30 people. We didn't have anyone, right? Um, And so they were meeting in this building, and they had access to it. And I thought, well, I'm just going to go sweet-talk them. I'm just going to go down there and ask them to give us the building. Like, they'll obviously give us the building, right? Uh, We're going to be the same denomination as them, and we're going to be a way different church. And there's not going to be competition between our church and their church, right? That's the way I was thinking cuz in my brain you know that these two very different churches could be right near each other and would not be in what people would consider to be competition, right? So I went down there and I had a meeting and I basically boldly asked the pastor there if he would let us have this facility to plant our church. And I have to give them credit because I think a lot of churches might say, "Hey, we don't want another church to move in 1 mile away from us." Or Hey, we think there might be too much overlap or some of our people might leave this church and go to yours or some like They could come up with a lot of reasons to be territorial and a lot of reasons not to allow us to have this facility. But he, uh, he thought about it. He prayed about it. And a week later, he called me back and he said, Hey, I think what you guys are going to do is really good. I really think this community needs a community church. And so we would like to give you guys the building and allow you to have it on Sunday mornings. We'll move all of our stuff to Sunday afternoons or Sunday evenings or different times or different days and we'll give you guys the facility. At the time, I don't know if you remember, there was a, a banner in the lobby that had Bethlehem Baptist Church on it, you know, and they were like tied in here significantly, and they just moved right out and let us have, have the building. We would never have planted in this place if Bethlehem Baptist Church, which is now called North Church, if they hadn't said, take it. We feel like God's calling you to do this. We were, we're behind you. We want you to have it. Go for it. And today we're going to talk about being Big K Kingdom people. And I want you to understand being a Big K Kingdom person means that you are for what God is doing. And you want to be active where he is active. And you don't care if you get the credit. We don't care as a church if we get all the credit Right? For everything that we do, we are much more interested in making Jesus' name great and his kingdom growing, and there will be things that will draw people into our church, and our church will grow, and things will be great, but we're not focused on building our own kingdom. We're focused on building God's kingdom. I'll tell you a different story. There was a giant church. Uh, of, this is a story that I know of secondhand from uh, a pastor who was, uh, well, you'll see in just a minute... Um, There was a giant church that was given a church building, right? This church was growing and huge and had lots of locations. And they were uh, like a video venue church, sort of similar to what we have here, like with some of the larger churches where they have video venues and and then a main campus. And they were given a church and they went in to do like a renovation of this church. And uh, when they did, they basically, there was a very small Thai congregation that met on Sunday nights in this church. And They went in and they renovated the church, and the first thing they did was toss the Thai church out and say, "Hey, we cannot share this building with you." Sorry, we have a policy, a very strict policy that we don't let other churches meet in our building. This church was gigantic. like there was like no need for them to do this at all, but they tossed out this Thai church. And uh, I was talking with the pastor, the Thai pastor, um, who's a, a friend of mine, and he said, uh, "Hey, Thai people are one of the least reached groups of people in the entire world. They're in like the top 20% of fewest Christians among Thai people in the world. And he said, you know, the fact that they would toss us out showed that they really didn't know anything about what we were doing and didn't even see what was going on. And in fact, there was another church that then said, hey, you guys can come over and meet at ours. And opened up an opportunity for them and kind of gave them a, a space and a location. But they went from meeting somewhere to this giant church coming in to do a little bit of a renovation and then them just being homeless in about three days. Uh, that would be the opposite of what we're talking about, right? Being Big K Kingdom means that we're paying attention to what God is doing all over the place and we want to be working alongside the Holy Spirit wherever we see God active. And that was one of the questions that we had when we started this church was where is God active already in the area that we feel like we are called to to plant this church. Now, when we sat down to talk through what it looked like to plant Pursuit, we wanted to really be active within the Moundsview School District community. So that includes many towns. There's about 80,000 people in the Moundsview School District that would have been considered to be part of where we feel like we are called to be, And we're right in the middle of what that district looks like. It, it ranges all the way from, you know, Roseville to the south, all the way up to Spring Lake Park to the north, and east to west, probably from Fridley, all the way over to, you know, Shoreview or beyond, right? So we know that that, that was what God had called us to do. And we asked, where is God already uh, active? And we found two partners that we knew God was already active in those places. One was the, the Ralph Reader Food Shelf, where we knew people's physical needs were being met by the school system itself. And we thought, well, we can now partner with the school system, and we can help people with their physical needs. And that's been one of our greatest strengths of, as, of partnership since we started. And we also looked and found Quincy House, which was a, a, a ministry to at-risk youth in our community. We thought, perfect. A chance for us to work alongside of a ministry that is reaching out to at-risk youth in our community. We know that on the Irondale side of our school district, there is a lot of need, and they are reaching some of the kids who have the most, most need. And so we partner directly with them. But we're always asking that question, right? And that's part of being a big K, kind of having a big K mindset. And this is one of our values, that we are big K kingdom people. And I want to show you just two, two little sections of scripture here that almost seem innocuous. You might be reading through this section of Scripture. We'll be in Luke chapter 9. We'll be in Mark chapter 9. And you might be reading through this, and you might be kind of like paying You just kind of glaze over these two small little sections of Scripture. But I want you to know that when you start to drift away from your values, you start to see some of this stuff that we're going to look at today be a problem. Okay? And so the scenario that we're looking at here is Jesus is about to go to Jerusalem, and he's about to go through the process of going to the cross. But on his way, he decides to work through all the little towns and villages that are on the way. He takes his disciples, and he splits them up, and he sends them out to go out to these villages and kind of like preach ahead of him coming to the villages, and meet people, and make connections, and see where the villages might potentially have an opening for him to come and share his gospel, his, his teaching. Okay, and so these people are going ahead, and he basically says to the disciples, hey, when you guys go ahead, I want you to look for this. I want you to pay attention to that. And he says, sometimes people aren't going to necessarily be excited about you being there, and they're not going to be open to the idea that I I might come to that village. He says, when that happens, I just want you to shake the dirt off your sandals and keep on moving, right? So I want you to go and prepare the way for me to come and go to these. And most of the situations go great. They find themselves in these villages. They're healing sick people. They're communicating with the people in that town. People are getting excited about the idea Jesus is coming. But they also run into some problems, okay? And this is where we pick up the story on what happens with some of these problems. So the first one here, and I'm going to connect this to the idea that Big K Kingdom people focus on the real problem and opportunity. By the way, if you're following along in our app, here you go, you can put in the little things. So if you're trying to put in your little things, there's problem and opportunity. Big K Kingdom people focus on on the real problem and the real opportunity. Mark chapter 9, verse 38 says, Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop. We went ahead of you into a town and we found a guy there already following you who is driving out demons in your name. And this should say, and it was awesome, and we made a new friend and we brought him into the... Hey, have you met Rodney? He's the man. Right? Uh, it's not, probably not a Jewish name. I don't know. Probably <laughs> Something with a J. So he said, hey, we met this guy. And he's driving out demons in your name. And what does he say we did? We told him to stop. He's not authorized to do <laughs> ministry in your name. We, we don't know who this guy is. So we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Yo, Let's just stop for a second and say there are a lot. A lot of churches. A lot of denominations who do not understand what it means to be big K kingdom focused, right? It's our stuff, our events, our buildings, our things, our version of everything. We separate over little tiny pieces of theology, how we interpret small sections of scripture, and we fragment the kingdom of God in such a way that we say it's us versus them. And when we do that, we miss the problem and we miss the opportunity that's available to all of us. So he says, yo, we told him that he had to stop because he was not one of us. This happens all the time. So many churches only care if you're one of them, not if you're working for Jesus and his kingdom. Right? Are you working for Jesus and his kingdom? That's the question I would ask. If it's yes, then we are co-laborers for the kingdom of Jesus. I don't care what denomination you come from. I don't care if we disagree on lots of different pieces of theology. If we agree on the core stuff, the very simple gospel-centered part of what it means to be a Christian, then we are co-laborers in creating the kingdom of God. Here's the the actual truth. There are 80,000 people who are... Distributed throughout the Moundsview Community uh, School District. On a given Sunday, okay, there are at least 60,000 of them who are not connected to a church. They don't know Jesus. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. They don't really have Christian friends or fellowship or community. They aren't in a church. They aren't part of the kingdom of God they are missing out. We could fill every single church to absolute capacity and we still wouldn't even come close to reaching all those people. Like we are big K kingdom people and we will work with whoever is at work in the kingdom because we know that the problem and the opportunity, the problem is that we have not reached every person yet that God has called us to reach. And the opportunity is that it's like thousands upon thousands, it's probably in this case, 60,000 people that yet have yet to be reached for the gospel in our area. You can step outside and bump into somebody very easily who does not know Jesus. That's the opportunity, right? You work with people every single day who do not know Jesus. Your neighbors, every single day that you bump into them at the mailbox, they do not know Jesus right? Your family who lives in this area, right? Do not know Jesus. There are connections that we all have, that we're all trying to use the opportunities that we have to share who Jesus is, and the church is trying to use opportunities. Why in the world would we ever separate from other gospel-centered ministries among us? We could fill every single church to the brim, add extra services, do everything we can, and we still probably wouldn't be able to reach half of the people for Jesus, the problem is we'll never get to the end of that, right? If we continue to fragment, be divided, and it's us versus them, and we miss, we're missing out on the, on the, on the possibility, the, the opportunities to reach all kinds of, of people for Christ. And that's what's going on here. They run to somebody who they don't know, who's not one of them, and they go, obviously he's doing something wrong. What does Jesus say? And you've got to put yourself in Jesus' mind frame. He's in the end game here. He's moving towards the final piece of this. He understands. He's not. He doesn't want to stop the ministry that's happening anywhere. He wants this to continue to reach people and grow. I mean, this person could have been in any one of a, a million chances that Jesus had to meet with somebody or, or transform someone's life. This could have been somebody from one of those situations. And what does Jesus say? Verse thirty-nine: Do not stop him. Jesus said, "For no one does a miracle in my name. For no one who does a miracle in my name can, in the next moment, be saying anything bad about me for." Whoever is not against us is for us because the opportunity and the problem are right there in front of them that people need to hear the truth of Jesus. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. He's like, did this guy bless you? Did he fight with you? No, he was one of ours. You missed it. We were together in this. Okay? And I think there are a lot of churches, a lot of movements, a lot of denominations that don't understand this. They just they want to separate and they want to say, this is what God has called us to do. And we're doing our own thing. And they miss the idea that we are the church and we exist for the world around us. And the world around us has not yet been reached. Same scenario, same situation. The, the, the disciples run into another problem, Luke chapter 9. So I went from Mark chapter 9 to Luke chapter 9. But this is the same situation, the same reporting back as they've gone out to places. This is the second idea. Big K Kingdom people, focus on the mission. You're feeling it is mission right there. Luke 9.51, and this is what it says. At the time approached for him to be taken to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Okay? We've set the scene already. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's stopping in all these towns on the way. and He sent messengers on ahead who went into the Samaritan village to get things ready for him. Samaritans... Relationship with Jews is very complicated. They don't like each other. They're generally against each other. And it's honestly, their relationship is like fairly racist, right? There's a little bit of a, the Jews feel like they're above the Samaritans because the Samaritans are half Jewish. And so they look at them and they, they call them out for being like half breeds. And so this connection between Samaritans and Jews is adversarial. They are enemies, okay? So we're now we're not talking about people who are doing ministry in the name of Jesus. We're talking about potential enemies, people who you don't like, who really frustrate you, who you, your people have kind of like looked down on them and they don't like you because of the way that your people have treated them and it goes back and forth and continues to feed itself and it's really difficult. So he said he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. By the way, Jesus doesn't care that they're Samaritans. They're people that he created and he loves them. Your enemies are people that Jesus created and that he loves. right? As Christians, we've we got to get beyond this idea that there are enemies, there are people persecuting us. Like We're called to deal with persecution and to ha- do specific things with and for our enemies. I'll, I'll show you in a second. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. The people there were like, hey, we get it. This is the Jewish Messiah. We're Samaritans. We don't like you. We don't want you here. We know, they, they know what he did in that one village, that one Samaritan village, but then it was probably talked about through the rest of the area, and people were like, hey, watch out for Jesus when he comes in. He's going to spin some tails, he's going to do some tricks, and then all of a sudden everyone in town is going to be like, like loving Jews again. So watch out when he comes. Don't, don't get into this. So there's kind of like this, this idea set up against Jesus to begin with, right? So the people didn't welcome him. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, this is just one of my favorite moments here, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? <laughs> Same section. One section, they're saying, hey, Jesus, there's a guy, he's doing ministry in your name and driving out demons, we stopped him. Then they get to this section, and there's people who don't want to listen to what Jesus says. so he's saying, well, can we just do instant judgment? Like, let's just, let's just firebomb them. This would be great. This will work out really well. Like, we'll just give them the judgment that they want. They don't want to have you come into town. That's fine. We'll just destroy the whole town. It worked in other places in the Old Testament, right? Like, hey, we've seen fire before. This Isaiah, you know, Elijah called down fire from heaven and look what it did for him. Right? It seems to be a, a direct connection, by the way, to that. Because uh, you'll see just a second they mentioned it. But it's like, what in the world? Have they been around Jesus? Have they understood that he cares about people? Have they understood that he cares about their enemies, right? The minute they run into a problem, they just want to use God's power to beat down those people who are enemies of Jesus in their mind, enemies of Jesus. What what does Jesus say? Jesus turned to them and he rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went on to another village. Jesus is like, are you kidding? I didn't come to kill all these people. I came to save all these people. I came to give myself for all these people. Like You might look at them as your enemies, but I look at them as people who I created and I love and I desperately want to reach. I want to cut through the hate. I want to cut through the generations of racism. I want to cut through all the things that divide you and them and I want to bring them into the fold and I want to make sure they understand the sacrifice I'm about to make is for them too. Like, if you're a big K kingdom person, you understand that you are given a mission and you don't have time to squabble with enemies. In fact, what does Jesus tell us to do with our enemies? Pray for them, serve them, love them. The the disciples don't have this figured out yet. By the way, this is, this is what happens when you start to get some some power. These guys are on their way to Jerusalem, and they're about to build Jesus's kingdom. Jesus has already told them he's going to go build his kingdom, and they're like, this is amazing. On the way, the Jews get into an argument, a squabble over who's the greatest among them, and who's going to get to sit at the right or the left hand of Jesus. Like, it's kind of funny to think about the idea that they think Jesus is going to install a new government in Jerusalem, That's going to give them some kind of special power. We're going to be the insiders. We're going to be the ones that sit at the right and left hand of Jesus. We're going to be right next to the king when he goes and sets up his new kingdom. And they have missed the idea completely that Jesus didn't come. right? He didn't come so that only the religious people would know him. He came so that even their enemies would know him. That he would give up his life both for those who were good, religious, Jewish boys and girls who grew up following God their whole lives and he would give his life for their enemies. For people who were hostile to him. There wasn't any thought given to separating those two but it was all of humanity. Someone who Christ was had a part in creating and then gave his life for and they miss it completely. I think what happens and this is, this is just one of those things that happens in, in church world. It's like we start to have some success and we solve some sort of formula that is like a magnet for drawing in more Christians away from other churches. And we want to surround ourselves with just Christians. And then what you see in churches like this, who kind of separate themselves from everybody else, is that they start to fight wars with everybody. We're about to enter into a political season you're going to have a million chances a day. I'm not kidding you. I mean, yes, not a million chances a day, but you're going to have all the opportunity in the world to figure out how to love and pray for and care for your enemies. Because there's going to be people who believe different political stuff than you, who hate you for your beliefs, who think that you're old-fashioned who can't believe that you're thinking the way that you think, and you're going to have to find a way to pray for and serve and love people who are your enemies the way that Jesus would. I love how the writer of First Thessalonians, he puts it, he says, hey, you should try to live right in a way that is quiet among the people, the culture that you live in, commanding their respect because of the lifestyle that you lead. We're, as Christians, in the next two years here, going to be called to live quietly among this nasty, divisive culture that's going to be throwing stuff at each other and vilifying everybody who doesn't agree with them and turning this war, this battle, into like a thing. And we're going to have to be quiet and humble and sensitive to people's needs and praying for them and serving them and loving them in the midst of what is a ridiculous culture and a ridiculous atmosphere. Everybody's going to want to vilify the other side, and we're going to be sitting here saying, I love you, and I'm praying for you, and I care about you. Right? Because we understand what the mission is. We understand we don't reach anyone for Jesus if we get ourselves into a culture war. I am so tired of churches missing the point of why they exist, because they enter into a culture war that only pushes people who are far away further And only cements people who are already in, right, in. If you're already in, then join me in reaching the people who are far from Jesus. That's what our church is about. We're here to reach people who are far from God, who are our enemies. Who we have this desire to vilify and we see this happening in our culture. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus died for them. During this section of time where Jesus is you know, showing his disciples what it looks like to do ministry, sending them ahead and getting them to prepare the way, and as he goes into each one of these places, he continues. He has to three times tell them, I'm about to go to Jerusalem and give up my life for people that you are disgusted by, that you want to vilify, that you don't love, that's hard for you to love, that you're having a hard time with. You're all stuck in this culture war that's going on here between the Jews and Samaritans or between the different sections of Jewish culture. And he's like, you guys are missing the point. I'm going to go and give up my life. And at times they fight with him over this idea. right? And one, one point, Peter stands up and rebukes him for saying that. And then Jesus puts him in his place. Here's, here's what Jesus is about to do. And this is the third idea. Big K kingdom people are generous. They are generous in every way. Just take a look at what Jesus is willing to give for the people that he loves. And he said, the son of man, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, trying to prepare them. The son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. He says to them, I'm going to go and be rejected by everybody important who you think has power, and then I'm going to die. And then I'm going to come back three days later. He said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Deny themselves what? Revenge? Deny themselves revenge? Deny themselves the petty squabbles that they want to have with people? Deny themselves being right you know, in all of these arguments? Deny themselves you know, their, own, their own desires and wants and needs to feel a certain way or win a certain argument? He said, like, you're going to have to deny Deny, 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 deny yourself, deny yourself, deny yourself. And you're going to have to take up a cross daily and follow me. I'm going to go and give my life up for these people, and I'm calling you to do the same thing with me. This is what Jesus is calling us to do as a church. This is why we say we're Big K Kingdom people, because we'll do whatever it takes from a generosity perspective, because we can't be more generous than Jesus going to a cross. I can give everything I can possibly give, and I won't give my life for my enemies. I won't do that, right? Jesus is the one who did that. And we have a hard time figuring out how to give our finances, give our time, serve alongside the church, share our faith with people. We have a hard time figuring out how to pick up our cross and sacrifice ourselves and deny our needs for other people. And Jesus is like, I'm going to show you what it looks like. I'm not calling you to do anything that I haven't done myself. I'm going to show you what this looks like. I'm going to do something that I'll never even call you yourself potentially to do. Now, I know there are people who have been martyred and given their life for, yes. But in most cases, Jesus isn't going to call us the same sacrifice that he But he's going to say we have to deny ourselves and take up our cross and be unbelievably generous to people. That means we've got to give up on the argument without having to make the point. You want to make a point? You want to make a difference? Right? We got, it means we're going to have to love people even when we don't want to. It means we're going to have to you know, make sure that we're focused on the mission when we want to win the argument. Make sure we're going to be denying ourselves and our own feelings and thoughts to make sure we're loving people that are difficult for us to love. And this is what Jesus says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the entire world, yet lose or forfeit their very self? He says to them, you guys are so focused on creating this new kingdom and your place in it and how much power we're going to have and how you know, rich it's going to make you and how powerful it's going to make you. And you're missing the idea that my kingdom is built through sacrifice, through denying yourself, through picking up a cross, through giving yourself up for your enemies, it's built through all of these other ways. And I want you to know that it's very, very important to us as a church that we keep this in the forefront of what it means to be Pursue Community Church. Because there are a lot of denominations and a lot of churches and a lot of leaders who are building their own kingdom, their own church's kingdom, their own denomination's kingdom, and they're missing the idea that there is a problem, that there are so many people who don't know Jesus, and they are so turned off by the gospel, because of what they've seen in the lives of leaders and churches out there who are always inwardly focused and not focused on the kingdom of God. I am so thankful that Bethlehem Baptist Church said, Hey, take it. We see what you're going to do, and we're all for it. You know, we are thinking about that too as we plant. Other churches, one of the things that we got to do this last week, our church plant in White Bear, um, Catalyst Covenant Church, Cindy and Corey, who have been here multiple times and you guys have met them, we helped them plant about a year and a half ago. They are now moving from their studio, little studio space, into a gym. And one of the things that they needed was a stage. And so I went and dropped off our old stage that was like $14,000 when we bought it right? We've upgraded. Now we've got our new stage up here. We dropped off our old one for them so that they can have a stage for their new. Because we're, we're like, great, we've got something we're not using. You guys need it. Here you go. Take it. Whatever you guys need. What else do you need? And we went through all the things that we have sitting in storage or in a, in a garage somewhere or a closet or whatever. And we're like, take anything you need, whatever you got, take it. We're just kind of shoveling stuff over to them to make sure they have what they need. Because we care about the kingdom of God, not just here, but in White Bear as well. Right, That's what we're about. One of the things that we're going to stay focused on is making sure that we create other churches every three to five years. One of the things I was able to share with our members this last weekend, if you remember, you were at our our meeting, Uh, those of you who weren't there, one of the things I wanted to share with them is like, hey, we're coming up on already, again, another three to five year window And we're already looking for our next church planter that we want to be able to send out to create a church. And so if you guys know anyone who's like a great fit to be a church planter, we have another $35,000 queued up, ready to go for our church plant. And we'd like to send some of our people to a new church to plant when we find the right person that God is calling us to do. Because we want to continue to build the kingdom, not just here, but everywhere. That's what we're committed to doing as a church. And it might mean that we don't grow as big as we possibly could. That's okay. We're going to take God's call seriously here. And we're going to be Big K Kingdom people. And we're calling you to be Big K Kingdom people. One last thing I just want to finish with. Uh, You know, you have an opportunity every day to share the gospel. And I know sometimes it can be really Difficult to share the gospel with people. You're looking for opportunities to share your story or to help them understand why you think the way that you do or what is causing you to make the decisions that you make. You're looking for angles or ideas on how to share gently with people, how to defend your faith with them, how to help them see things from your perspective. One of the greatest ways to go about this is to invite somebody to your church. We're coming into a season where we're going to have a lot of cool and fun stuff. You can invite them next week when we have bounce houses and food after church. You can invite them to the Saturday, uh, the, the resource fair, and say, hey, bring your family. Come hang out. And then point out, all of these volunteers are from our church. We love our community so much. This is what we do to kind of launch our ministry year. You could say the next Sunday, hey, would you come with me after the resource fair and come and join us? Right? like There are a lot of opportunities to be inviting people to be part of what we are doing here. And it's a tool. Is it the end all be all to invite somebody to church? No. But is it an opportunity? Yes. Take the chance. Invite somebody. People are most likely to say yes to an invite this time of year when they're starting new things and they're kind of getting settled into their school rhythm and they're kind of, everything's on upheaval and everything's starting fresh. Okay? And Easter. Easter's a long way away. So take a chance and invite somebody this next week, right? Invite somebody to come to one of the three or four things that are coming up on the schedule. Because again, we're trying to build the kingdom here. We want to reach those people who maybe don't see themselves as part of a church or aren't necessarily comfortable walking into an old church building or something with a cross on the steeple, but they can walk into a community center. Maybe they've even been here before. Maybe they already know about this place, right? Invite them to come with you on a Sunday or on, a, on Saturday or whatever. Try to help them get here and see what's going on here. All right, let me pray for us as we close. Jesus, would you help us to stay focused on being big K kingdom people, God? We want to build your kingdom. We want to make your name great, God. Would you fill this area with ministries who make you the star, who show people what it means to follow you, God? Would this church be known as a Big K Kingdom place? And God, would you use us? Would you reach some of the people that we think have no chance of being reached? God, would you make inroads into the people that we work with, into their lives, into our neighbors' lives, into our families' lives? God, would you just help us to be bold and to be focused on the mission that you've given us, to live quiet lives that command respect Jesus, we pray that your kingdom would continue to grow in this area and that we would be a strategic part of what you are doing. Help us to stay in step with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.